Okay, in 1984, I, I'm not really into college football, but I, I know um, a, a little bit of the, the legend behind this story. There is a quarterback by the name of Doug Flutie. Anyone a fan? Boston College? A few people. Okay. Um, and they were in the final seconds of the game, and they were a touchdown behind. And so they ran a last play where you put all your receivers in the corner of the end zone. You all with me? And so Doug Flutie, like, heaved this desperate throw against impossible odds. And we call that play to this day by a certain name. Uh, that has now become part of our common vocabulary. Pretty much everyone knows this term. It's called a Hail Mary pass. Okay. And the rationale is that a pass thrown under these circumstances can only be completed with divine inspiration. So, just curious, like, of all the plays that there are in football, did you notice that there's just one that's named after prayer? <laughs> and, uh, and I think prayer in our culture is brought in for the last play of the game because prayer is something we generally associate with desperation. Isn't that true? Very true, right? Desperate people pray. That's how we think of it. Um, people in the pit pray. Um, people who have a final exam and they haven't studied for it, pray, right? You all with me? Uh, people who have back problems, pray, or are about to go on the mission field and you're scared, you pray. Or you have children who have run away, and then you pray. So we hear about this series that's on prayer, and we go, oh yeah, yeah, okay, it applies to us when we're in desperate need. When I'm in desperate need, yeah, I'll pray because it applies to people in a desperate situation. But there's a problem with that. Now, let me just, let me just illustrate really quickly. Like, Raina, can you just stand up and just wave and then you can go, yeah. Now, I want you, yeah, very good, thank you. I just want, you can sit down, but I just want you to imagine like, do, hey, Andrew, do you talk to your wife? Yeah, I do when I'm desperate. You know, when I have a desperate need, then I'm talking to her, right? And then how would you feel about the quality of our relationship? Probably not too highly. And then some of you would be thinking, Andrew, if that's the only time you go to your wife and you talk to her, you're missing out on a whole lot of life and a whole lot of joy and a whole lot that could be yours, right? So it's not like you should, but you're really missing out. Um, so in contrast to this prayer as desperation, in Luke 11, in contrast, Jesus teaches that prayer is not just desperation, but it's normal, everyday dependency. Why don't you say with me, normal, everyday dependency. That we are children of a great father, and the basic, natural relationship that you have with Father God is one of asking, asking, asking. So not just desperate, not, not just desperation, but dependency. Not just when you're in a pit, but all the time. Not just as a last result, but relational. Just talking to Father God about what you're doing together. On a daily basis. Okay, last week we went through chapter 11, 
where the disciples basically said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. And in effect, Jesus is saying, if you want to pray like me, this is how you should pray. We went through eight verses. Today we're going to cover from nine all the way to 13, all right? So turn in your Bibles there. We're gaining new ground by going in verse 9. Here we go. Still the same main idea starting in verse 9. Jesus says this. And I tell you, what's the next word? Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Today we're kind of going to go line by line and idea by idea because this teaching on prayer is really precious. But have you ever wondered why the threefold ask? I mean, why didn't Jesus just say, I tell you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Let me tell you again, ask, and it'll be given to you. Why the threefold progression? Why the nuance? Why the distinction? Is there a progression? Well, I think um, the distinction has to do with levels of accessibility. So let's say your father is in the room. What do you do? You go, hey, dad, can I have this? Some of you feel close to God, like he's right there in the room. And all you have to do is just ask him because he's right there. Debbie, can I have your Bible? Yeah, right there, right? That kind of access. But many of us don't feel like God is close. He's somewhere in the house, but you don't feel like you have that immediate access. So what do you do? Well, you, you seek. You go and find him. Maybe you, 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 you go upstairs, I mean, you go down the hall, you go to his study, and there's a door, and, that, and it separates you. What do you do then? You, well, you knock, and, uh, and then he answers, and he opens the door. So if you feel close to him, you should ask. And if you don't feel like he's close, then you seek him out, and you knock on the door, and he will answer you. It's a... It's a It's a promise, and it's encouragement to people who don't feel very close to God today. And if that's you, and you don't feel like he's in the room, then go and seek him out. And there's a promise that if you seek, you'll find. And if you knock, he'll open the door, and he'll talk to you face to face. Verse 10. All right. This, okay, verse 10. Um. Now, I, I've read this verse many times, and as I was studying this, there was a temptation just to read it like I've always read it. But I just want you to think about what's being said in verse 10. Here Jesus says, For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open." Now again, you've heard this verse. But have you ever stopped to think about what's being promised here? Jesus is saying, everyone who asks, receives. Now that's, that's, that's a huge, audacious promise. Everyone who asks, receives. And I remember I was just reading this, and I'm like, wow, I, I, I can't believe what Jesus is offering here. You know, just like a blank check. Everyone who asks, receives. And I, and I was thinking, like, this is a huge deal. Do I really believe this? And I'm thinking, well, yes, I do. 
And then I started to ask myself, if I really believe this, what would change in my life? And I started to think, well, if I really did believe this, I think I would pray a lot more often, and I think I would pray a lot more boldly. And I was having a moment like, well, why don't I? Now, let me just ask you, given the audacious promise that Jesus has given here that everyone who asks receives, first let me ask you, do you really believe this? And then let me ask you, if you really did believe this, what would change in your life? Would anything change? Something's got to change. Do you really believe this? Uh, Verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Okay, I, I think there are fathers among us, but let's just include moms too. Maybe we can just participate a little bit. What father, what mother among you, if your son or daughter asked you for a fish, instead of a fish, you're like, well, here you go. Let me give you a snake. How many of you do that? Would anyone do that? The answer is no. No, of course not. Thank you. If your son asked you for an egg, how many of you would give him a scorpion? Nobody. Okay. Okay. Right. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Okay. So this is a how much more argument. How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Okay. There's a lot here to unpack, but um, let me go a little bit by illustration first. Okay. I I've been a pastor at our church for about you know, 15 plus years. And so one thing I really appreciate about our church is we have a team approach. And so really we exist as a team. Every Tuesday we meet as a team. We talk about the needs of a church as a team. We divide responsibilities. And so it means a lot to me to be able to work on a team because then I'm better able to preserve a home and work balance, okay? So by way of illustration, I'm talking to On. And, and I, you know, okay, what, what, okay just, just, just a, a little bit of a, an informal poll. How many of you, if you were stranded in the streets of San Francisco, okay, in the middle of the night and you don't have a ride home, how many of you would pick up your phone and call a pastor on to come and get you? Okay, just a moment of honesty, like raise your hands if that's you. Some of no one would? Okay, we got two, three people there who would, okay? But here's the thing. In, in a room full of like maybe like 100 people, only three would. And I'm saying that's, that's good in terms of protecting on's like home family balance, amen? Okay, I'm not shaming the people who raised their hand. I'm just saying. Now, having said that, I talked to on, and you know on, he's, he's such a great shepherd, his heart. And you say, well, yeah, but, but do tell people. That if this were ever to happen to you, you were stranded, please, please pick up the phone and call an Uber. (laughs) And then if you can't, then pick up the phone and call Pastor Calvin. (laughs) And then if that didn't work, then call on. So those are words from on. Now, I just, I want to share something with you, okay? Uh, I used to be a youth pastor for five years. Now, I didn't get this person's permission to share this, 
Uh, I'm not shaming anyone here. I'm just saying what happened, okay? This is what happened. There was a member in our church who used to call me in the middle of the night, and I really value my sleep, every week to go and do them a favor. It was for a season of time. One time, last time, 3 a.m., this person had all sorts of problems. I'm not kidding you. Like, I picked up, you know, it was like screaming, right? And uh, I'm glad this person did this. And again, I'm not trying to make this person feel bad. But anyone have an idea who this person is? Like, you don't have to point to the person. But anyone, this person is my daughter, Noelle. She used to wake me up at 3 a.m. every week because she was scared to go pee-pee by herself. So I had to get out of bed and accompany her while she was in the dark going pee-pee. And then she would go back to bed and I would sleep with her and then just kind of tuck her in. Who would have the nerve to do that? 3 a.m. screaming to go pee-pee with you? There's only one answer. A son would. A daughter would. Because of what Christ did for you on the cross, you have been elevated to a new status as God's children. Oh, do you know what that means? Children are intimate, real with their parents. Children come with shameless, audacious, cocky, bold requests. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, what is your status before God? You are a son. You are a daughter. And sons and daughters get things out of their fathers that no slave, no nobleman, not even a best friend will get. Do you understand what you have in Christ? Jesus died to make you a son, to make you a daughter, which means you have the same access to Jesus, that to Christ, to God that Jesus did. Do you know what you got? Because of the blood of Jesus. So Jesus says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Okay, stop there. Jesus says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Okay, some of you go, wait, wait, wait wait a second. Kind of harsh. Let me just say, from the scriptures, this is nothing new. Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every heart is compromised by evil. The corruption runs deep. Even the best father, even the best mother, Jesus knows this. And so he uses a lesser to greater argument through the illustration of earthly parents. So follow along with me. Like, if you look at me, I as a father, I'm very finite in my strength. But God is infinitely strong and can do all that he pleases. I as a father... Am not very wise. You can ask Raina, she knows this. I see one angle, maybe two angle. God sees all the angles. I, as a father, I'm loving and sacrificial to a point. And then my love becomes very conditional. God is infinitely loving, His love is unconditional. So all His strength, all His wisdom, He does everything for your good and for His glory. Jesus says, how much more 
will your heavenly Father give to you. Your heavenly Father who is infinitely strong, infinitely good, infinitely wise, infinitely loving. Let me just ask you, do you really believe this? And if you did, then how would you live day to day? If you really believe this, I I know for me, I would ask a lot more. And I would ask a lot more boldly. What about you? <clears throat> One more part as we go line by line in this teaching. I need, I need to uh, unpack this. If you look at the whole teaching on prayer, there is one part that kind of surprises you. Like you weren't expecting it. Like it's going one way. You're flowing. And then at the end, you're like, well, what? Okay, let, let me illustrate. So Jesus says, if you um, uh, fathers um, who are evil, okay, that part might be surprising. Hopefully I've explained that well. Know how to give good gifts to their children. Okay, how much more will the heavenly father, you're like, I know where this is going, this is great, give, you're like, okay, okay, the Holy Spirit, you're like, what? I wasn't expecting that. Okay, now this could mean two things. The first interpretation is that by all means God invites you to ask anything everything, all of your needs, whatever your concerns. He wants you to ask. Ask for things that are concrete. But I think one interpretation is the the best thing you can ask for is more of the Holy Spirit, a greater manifestation of God's Spirit in your love, in your life. Okay, that's one interpretation. I think it's a good one. But then here's the thing. Some of you are like, well, you know, but the thing is, when I'm The thing is, I wasn't asking for the Holy Spirit. You know, I I was asking for this or for that. Uh, What if I was asking for something else? I think that's a a legitimate question. I want you to think of it this way. Maybe you're going through a struggle in your life. Someone close to you is hurting. Or maybe you're hurting. You're devastated. And so you go to God in prayer and you say, God, please comfort me. Here's the thing. God answers you your prayer, and he doesn't just give you comfort, but he gives you the comforter. The Holy Spirit lives inside you and gives you that comfort. Let's say you're making a big decision in your life and you need help. God, help me. He doesn't just give you help, but he gives you the helper who lives inside you and guides you and gives you courage. You need wisdom. He gives you the spirit of wisdom. You're asking for gifts, and he gives you those gifts through the gift giver. You all with me? I mean, this is beautiful stuff. God gives us way more than we ask. He gives us his very self. So church, let me ask you, like, are we asking? And let me ask you, if you really believed in what Jesus Christ was saying, How would that change your life? Would you live any differently? And what would it look like? I I, I said this for for myself. If I really, really believed what Jesus was saying here, I would ask a lot more often and I would ask a lot more boldly. But what about you? Now, let's actually uh, uh, try to get more practical. Let's try to really kind of examine ourselves. I, I think this would be the next part in the message. Like, is there a reason why we're not praying more? 
let's say you're not praying on a daily basis, and, and let's say you, you don't really like where your prayer life is. Is there a reason why you don't pray more, why you don't pray more with joy? What, what are those reasons? Now, if you take out your bulletin, I, I just want you to jot down the first thing that comes to mind. I'll give you a couple seconds to do that, okay? Uh, it, what keeps you from a more active prayer life, a more fulfilling prayer life, more time spent in prayer? This is Lent, 40 days. Can't think of anything better to talk about than prayer. So why don't I give you like 20 seconds and you just jot something down that is meaningful to you and I'll just give you time to do that. Okay, um, I think that's about 20 seconds. Now, let me just throw some, some, some possibilities out there. And uh, I, I think quite honestly, maybe some people are like, well, I think fundamentally, I'm not sure I really believe that what Jesus said is true, that everyone who asks receives, you know? Like, maybe that's it. And maybe if you go to the source, you've lost heart because of unanswered prayer. Now, if that's the case, just know that in a future message or two, we're going to tackle that issue because I just feel you can't really go into this stuff without tackling that issue. So we're going to get there. But here's another reason, and I don't know how many of you actually uh, identified this as the reason, but can it be, and we've talked about this in previous messages, can it be self-reliance? Is that... Is that what good old American self-reliance? In the beginning of the message, uh, we were talking about how people think of prayer like a Hail Mary pass. It's, you know, it's, it's for desperate people in desperate situations. And I used to think that we need to change how people think about prayer. You know, I, I used to feel like, hey, it's, it's not just for desperate people. But nowadays, to be honest with you, my my thinking has kind of changed on that. Maybe people who think that prayer is for desperate people are mostly right. Uh, maybe it is mostly for desperate people. It's the most natural thing to pray when you're desperate. So then my question to you would be more like, well then, why are you not desperate? Maybe change still needs to happen, but not change in how you see prayer, but change in seeing your own situation. Do you realize how desperate your situation really is? Does anyone here have loved ones who don't know Jesus? Okay. There's 1.5 billion people who have never heard the name of Jesus in this world. Where are they going when they pass away? Wow, you think about that question, you know what happens? Desperation. We have teachers in our local community who are really underpaid. That's not right. What about personally? Like, let me ask you, do you know how big the sin problem is in your life? Apparently, Jesus knows, and he's like, he's not holding any punches. He's like, let me just, it's, you're evil, right? Do you know what Jesus sees? Do you know that desperation? Do you know how limited your ability and your words are? How many of you are parents? How many, how many of you feel like your words and your parenting is really making all the difference? 
How many of you are parents who are not desperate? Oh my goodness. Right? And we can go on. We can go on. So really, maybe it's not a perception on prayer, but maybe it's a perception on your own situation. Maybe your vision of God and his holiness is too small and your confidence in yourself and your ability and your goodness is too big. Okay, so, so hopefully we're addressing that um, um, the way we need to. Um, now, <clears throat> I think we've explained uh, every verse in chapter 11 line by line. And, and so what I'd like to do with the rest of the message is explain what it looks like to live this out day by day. All right? And uh, at some point in, in a message, it should turn from like why to how. And at, at this point, this is kind of the turning point. So what does it look like to live moment by moment, not in self-reliance, but in blessed dependency upon God? All right, let's start, let's start here. Let's say you don't have a set pattern of prayer on a daily basis, okay? Let's say praying every day is kind of a, a new thing for you, okay? So some of you are like, okay, where, where should I start? H- how about starting here? Lynette Martin writes this. She says, the way to begin to pray is slowly. She says, I advise five minutes a day. This may sound short, but it's better to get a short time established and build from there than to begin with a longer one that you wind up giving later on as being uh, impractical. So I, I think there's wisdom behind that. So if you don't have a set time, how about starting with five minutes a day and building from there? Um, some of you pray way more than just five, and I think that's awesome. Right now I'm just talking to people who are just getting started. How about five minutes? How about starting from there? Here's another tip. Um, how many of you are morning people? Raise your hands. Okay. And how many people are night people? Raise your hands. Okay, more night people. And how many people are n- none of both? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, how about giving your very best time of day to God? How about giving, so if you're a morning person, do it in the morning. If you're an evening person, do it in the evening. But just giving him your very best. And then kind of move and kind of grow from there. How about going to the same place, that couch, that chair by the window, and that place is going to be a sacred place for you where you normally go and meet with God. All right, uh, here's another idea. Um, uh, When you pray, you know, especially if you're starting off, especially if you're kind of new to this, how about starting off with whatever concerns you? Uh, Jesus taught us to, 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 to pray, um, Father, give us today our, our daily bread. It's really so natural to just start with your needs and your concern, whatever is on your mind, you know. I remember one wise person said, I start praying this, and then my mind wanders over here. Anyone like that? And then the, the, the wise pastor said, well, then why don't you just pray about where your mind wanders? Because that's really what you're concerned about. And the guy went, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, of course. Dallas Willard writes this. Prayer simply dies from efforts to pray about good things that honestly do not matter to us. 
The way to get to meaningful prayer for those good things is to start by praying for what we're truly interested in. The circles of our interest will inevitably grow in the largeness of God's love. We call that simple prayer. Um, how, about this, how about this idea? You know, what it looks like to, to cultivate that dependency and that relationship with God from day to day. How about this idea? How many of you spend an hour a day or more commuting to work, like round trip? Raise your hands. Okay, that's, that's, that's a good amount of people. That's maybe like 20 people. Um, how, how many of you, like when you go to class, like how long does it take to walk to class? Like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, more than that? Okay, uh, how about dedicating that time to praying for other people? How about, how about that? How about that? You know, it's interesting. In, in the scripture, um, uh, <clears throat> a simple prayer may be the kind of prayer that's most commonly practiced in scripture, but intercessory prayer is the kind of prayer that's most commonly commanded in scripture. So how about spending a car ride and dedicating that car ride to praying for other people, praying, praying, pray for your family, pray, pray for Debbie, you know, pray, pray, pray for our, our church, pray for the people in your home group, pray for your classmates, uh, pray for your roommate, pray for your parents, you know, um, pray for my kids, please. I, I could use all the prayer for my kids that we, could, that we could receive. But how about just dedicating that time to praying for other people? And if you're like me, then your mind will kind of drift and wander, and, and that's okay. Maybe you should pray about that, that your mind is drifting to. And then when you come back, say, okay, Lord, who should we pray for next? And then just listen and interact with him. Uh, Here's one uh, last idea. How about um, at the end of the day, you pray victories and apologies? Let me hear you guys say victories and apologies. Okay, and it, and it goes like this. At the end of the day, I look back at, at my day, all the stuff that happened. I'm reflecting on the moments that I saw God show up. This person said this was very encouraging. I'm just looking back at the day and all the moments of joy and just, just tracing that back to God and saying, God, thank you for that and thank you for this and thank you for that. And then also maybe even going further and saying, what does this mean about who God is? And that, that's a praise. And then uh, along the, those lines, how about thinking about the mistakes that you made? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that again. And then just apologizing to the Lord and then checking your heart. Am I cool with everyone? Am I holding any sort of resentment against someone? If so, God, would you help me forgive? Or maybe you need to actually make a call or just talk to them and just kind of keep margins short. So that's, uh, that's you know, victories and apologies. Um, all right, <clears throat> um, I, I just have one last uh, encouragement, one last encouragement. Uh, I, I know I've given you very, some very practical things, right? Um, how, if you don't have a regular prayer time, how about start with five minutes, you know, uh, same time of day, that's your best, uh, de- best time. Uh, go to the same place. Um, if you don't have, you know, a way to start, want you to start with your concerns, right? We talked about dedicating like a, like a walk to class or like a ride to work, uh, praying for other people. We talked about reflecting at the end of the day, victories and, and apologies. And let's go back to the why. 
Why, why do this? Why make changes? Why pray more often? Why pray more boldly? Well, I think it has to do with Jesus saying, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? <clears throat> uh, 14 years ago, I got a card from my mom. 14 years ago, I used to be 29 years old. And so I got this card from him. I don't normally hang on to stuff, but something about this card gripped me, and so I hung on to it, you know? It's a card from my mom, and um, yeah, it's like, you know, like kind of blah on the, on, the, on the front. But then you open it up, and it goes, son... By the way, um, if you know something of my mom, my, my father passed away when I, was, uh, when I was 11. And so my mom was single momming it, and she would come home from work, and she'd be tired, and she'd prepare five meals. And so uh, there's a lot of love uh, that my mom has for me. And so here are words from my mom. She wrote, son, I love you. Happy birthday. If I can give you anything, I would. Happy birthday, 29th. Mom, Joanne. And look, look, she attached $5 to the card. Yeah, look at that, mom, anything, okay. <clears throat> now something about my mom's card from her heart just gripped me. I'm like, oh, wow, I was really touched. I was really touched by this. This is the heart of a parent. If there is anything I could give you, I would. That's the heart of a, of a father. Anything I could give you within my power that's really good for you, I would. $500, done. A new car, if you really need it. A kidney, one of my lungs, done. If you really need it, yes. I, I have a friend of mine who jacked up his knee and needed surgery. And so his father came to visit him right before the surgery and said, Son, if I could rip out my ACL and give it to you, I would. Son always remembered that he was so touched by what his dad said. Who would give their ACL and a kidney to another person? First person, a dad would. We have a father who gave up the life of his son to forgive us and to make us his children. And so here is this incredible, irresistible invitation to ask, ask, ask. And so my encouragement to you is work it into your daily life. Ask more often. Ask more boldly. And during these 40 days, let's do this together. Let me pray and we'll invite the worship team to come up. Father, please forgive us for not um, asking you more often. Please forgive us that a lot of times we don't see what it is that Jesus sees in this teaching and the incredible position that he bought for us through his blood. I pray uh, that during these 40 days that a lot of us will be just renewing our prayer life, coming to you more frequently, um, uh, giving you our best time of day and just talking to you from our hearts. Would you teach us how to pray? Would you help our prayer life go from where it is now to a place more enjoyable, more satisfying?
Father, only you can hap- only this can happen. So I guess in essence what I'm asking for is the power of your Holy Spirit to transform our prayer lives and to make it just joy. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.